I just got so excited because I have a surprise for you in this opening. I said, okay, here, I'm going to push record. She's like, ah, ah. I'm like, oh, really? <laughs> I'm just, I just got really excited because I have a surprise for you. Okay. So. What, what do you, are you right, right now? No, no. Like, oh, I, I, oh. I'm just saying in this opening. Okay. Okay. So hello. Welcome to the show. Today on the show, we are going to talk, well, basically a few movies from the 80s that have to do with werewolves. This is going to be in no means, uh, in no way comprehensive as far as werewolves are concerned. We just chose a few. Well, actually, Kathy said, hey, let's do something on werewolves and then chose three movies from the 80s. Shocker. Yeah, but I watch stuff outside of the 80s, too. Oh, Okay. But I also She's have some. Prove it to us. But I also have some information just about the werewolf in general. Yes, great. That's awesome. And I can mention a few other movies too. But because all the three movies that you had chosen were from the eighties, I kind of went down a tiny bit of an eighties werewolf rabbit hole a that's little fine. bit, a little bit. Because I thought, well, that's fine. Because there's a lot of werewolves in the eighties, and practical effects and. We like those mm. things, but I just wanted to make it clear that this is not definitive nor comprehensive because we didn't do like a whole, we've done werewolves before, just like we've done all the beasties before. We have. So this is an offering in the werewolf realm. I did also have a couple of little promos I wanted to do for things that, yes, we are given a little something for these promos, but... I don't really take promos of like movies I don't like. <laughs> Usually. Sometimes I've done ones where I haven't seen it yet. So that's kind of a thing where it's like, well, I might not like it, but that doesn't matter. You can still, you know, I still respect that 200 to 300 people had had a job for that movie at that moment in time. Having been a entertainment industry survivor, I appreciate even even not so great movies. But this one's a good one. So remember when we watched on the server The Deep House? Yeah. So the underwater horror film The Deep House is now available on digital and on demand. When a couple sets out to explore a house at the bottom of a lake, they discover a sinister presence. Can they escape the underwater house of horrors before it's too late? You can buy or rent The Deep House today to find out. It's unrated from Paramount Pictures. We watched it in the Discord with friends. We most most of us agreed that for a found footage, it was awesome. Yeah. Like I was scared and yeah. I don't get scared with found footage. There's Same. a few found footage movies that have done that for me. Wreck and Wreck 2, of course, are very famous ones for most people. But I really like this because I like the idea that it was underwater. That was different for me. And it was ghosty and spooky and things, you know, there were some jump scares and stuff. I don't know. I just really liked it. So yeah, very cool. Go out and get that on demand. We watched this a while ago. It was a while ago. And I, I don't know if it's been out for a while or not, but I do know that you can go buy or rent it. So let's just say it was like the honeymoon from hell. <laughs> So I think it was their honeymoon, wasn't it? I think so. Yeah. I don't exactly remember because all I remember is the creepy shit from after right. that. But <clears throat> anyway, I think you had a an event you wanted to. Well, I want to talk about something you and I are doing, but also a little surprise about that event. Unless you, I mean, unless you've looked it up, maybe you already know. I just saw the poster that she texted me the the poster of the event, okay. and I was like, okay, so we're going <laughs> to we're going to. Monster Palooza in June. 
it's always a really big event. It uh, looked pretty big just from the poster. Yeah, and then there's like Brother of Monster Palooza that takes place in another area. But this is going to be at the Pasadena Convention Center. There are four important guests on the list that will be available for signing and talking to. Mm-hmm. And I thought that maybe it'd be important for you to know that Kane Hodder is going to be there. Hey! And for me, Kane. my boyfriend's going to be there. Really? Mr. Tom Savini. <gasps> oh, yeah. He does the circuit, too. That's and awesome. Nick Castle. Oh, hey. And Doug Bradley. <gasps> I mean, it's going to, it's oh, one of the reasons I chose. I didn't want to say anything. I'm like, you want to do this event with me? Yep. <laughs> And I was like, if Shannon only knew who's coming. <laughs> oh, that'll be awesome. It's going to be some good stuff. And I will pay for that signature. Right? You know, they always, every all of you listening who are horror files, if you're here for the horror content, obviously have been to probably some of these events and there's always like, they got their little table and you pay your little fee and but you these get are your like little signature. Top celebs. Oh, yeah. Yep. They all do the circuit and I'm all about it. I mean, those are four, all, all four of those I give a shit about. So we're going to be dropping some coin. Yeah. And some throwing some breasts out for them to sign the, <laughs> the chestuses. Okay. You can do that. <laughs> Just flip one out. <laughs> yeah. An offering. Tom, Tom. <laughs> An offering. He's like, oh God. <laughs> Good Lord. <laughs> yeah, well, so, I guess, I guess one of the studio walls will, will get uh, decorated with signature photos. I, I just think that's going to be. So cool. I'm really excited. Thanks for finding it and, um, you know, roping me in. So here's the other thing I wanted to add for those of you who like online gaming. Mm -hmm. Um, I'm someone who loves and sort of embarrassingly addicted to online slots, like the slot (laughs) machines. My mom used to do those. (laughs) Yeah, they're fun. And so I just do the ones that that you just play for fun and you pay like $2 and get 86,000 coins or whatever. It's so addictive. And I'm going to... Vegas in a couple of weeks. So I'm like, I got to warm up, warm up the slot hand, (laughs) warm up my finger. So I was looking through because I love all the different themed ones. And there's an article on horrornews.net about the best horror slots. Oh, hey, there's Freddy, Dracula, Frankenstein and more. So then I went to the actual (laughs) site. And there are a ton uh, psycho there's psycho slots. I want to play these. I know. All right. So I'm just letting you know if you're someone who likes to do the online. So I just thought that was hilarious. Like you can go to you can go to Friday the 13th. You can go to Nightmare on Elm Street. The Psycho one's really funny because you know he's just chilling as one of the things that flips <laughs> oh, no. through, and like the house is another thing that flips through. <laughs> that flips through. Yeah. Oh my so, gosh! Yeah, there you go. That's so fun, and mm-hmm. it sounds like it's not expensive. Like no, it's just fun. I think some of them are even free. Yeah, like just yeah. a fun game. It's or you can do game. the first like 10 a day for free or That's whatever. Right. And then you yeah. buy in. That's I'm, how they usually do them. I, like I'm currently claiming my bonus for the Psycho one right now. Oh. And I didn't pay anything. Oh, that's amazing. Yeah, so. So people just Google Psycho slots or you something. Can, yeah, you can go to slot spot mm-hmm. or slots, plural, mm-hmm. spot.com. Oh, gotcha. And you'll see a lot of them there. And then the website that I found this on is horrornews.net. Ah, uh, Yes. No, I just went to the site. <laughs> your gambling future. Welcome. It says hello yeah. to your gambling future. Oh, Lord. If you're an addict, don't do that. Yeah, don't. But 
I'm not. Or so that'd do. Be fun. Or no. Just kidding. <laughs> I did want to mention also another product that I th- want to get behind, which I think will be cool. I have not listened to it yet, but I will be listening to it, which is super cool. If you go, if you visit stephenkingaudio.com to learn more about Stephen King and Richard Chismar's electrifying new audiobook, Gwendy's Final Task. Return to Castle Rock in this final installment of the New York Times bestselling Gwendy's Button Box Trilogy. Download Gwendy's Final Task wherever audiobooks are sold or visit stephenkingaudio.com to learn more. I'm excited about this. We will have for both the Deep House and for this, and I have an upcoming one in April for Scream. Yay! But these two this month, we are going to have free rental codes or what have you Mm -hmm. and of both the audio trilogy and the Deep House movie to give away. Cool. So... Very fun. Yeah, we'll be doing that on our social media. I usually do them on Twitter or Facebook. So look out for those. But for now, go check them out. Will do. Yeah. I had one other little true crime thing I wanted to do before we get to... Mm, What's that? Uh, Two inmates at a German prison find after a mashed potato brawl (laughs) in Berlin. Two female inmates... At a German, having a food fight. With those women and those mashed potatoes. At a, well, you're whipping boobs out at <laughs> conferences, so I almost gave her a spit take. Sorry, I didn't know you were drinking your drink. That was a hypothetical. I don't know if I'm going to do that. <laughs> Two female inmates at a German prison have been served a hefty fine for a brawl. That just, that sounds like a setup for a porn. Yeah, I know. It began with a food fight. In a German prison. German news agency... <laughs> DPA reported Wednesday. Let me see what the date on this thing is. The date was January 26th of this year for this. So just right before that, the cellmates at a prison in Augsburg began throwing potato mash at each other following a disagreement. Then one woman threw her entire plate at the other who responded in kind. The situation then escalated into a brawl in which both inmates were injured. Mashed potatoes come with that steel plate, that metal plate that they're served on. Yeah. A court a court in the southern town of Augsburg sentenced one defendant to pay a fine of 2,700 euros, which would be about three grand for us, while the other received a fine of 1,800 euros, which is about two grand for in the dollar. If they fail to pay, the women can spend another 180 or 120 days behind bars, respectively. And I'm pretty sure I got that article from Pepper because she's one of my ridiculous true crime sources. That's hilarious. She follows all the Reddits. Yeah. As you guys know. But anyway, I wanted to share that with you. And now. Oh. Now. We will do. (laughs) Please. Enlighten us. Shannon. Yes, Kathy. Are you ready? I am. Number one, how many people did the Boston Strangler kill? Lord, it's always so cheery. (laughs) (laughs) It's horror facts. I know. Number two, this Italian horror film was made controversial by Gene Siskel, who referred to the film as a weak imitation of The Exorcist. Oh, Gene. Oh, Harsh. I disagree with his comment, by the way. Okay. Well, we look forward to knowing why. (laughs) Okay. Number three. Why are... 
Let's see how I time this one out. Why are werewolves affected by silver? Mm. I don't know. Okay. I, I didn't know if you were writing. <laughs> I was. Oh. I was. Number four. The bones buried beneath the John Wayne Gacy's house were crammed together so tightly, the bones fused together. How long did it take to separate all of the skeleton bones? <laughs> she puts on her horror story voice for that one. I should have been the Haunted Mansion <laughs> revision. <laughs> yeah. You would, every time you would have gone to Disneyland, you'd be like, oh, God. Born. Here she is again. <laughs> she's not even here and she's here. <laughs> she haunts me <laughs> literally in the mansion. Number five. Mm-hmm. What happens when you flip a shark upside down? A who? A shark. Oh, Three. okay. Yeah. Thank you so much for that. Three for a loop with that one. Uh, <laughs> we do love a good shark week. A good shark fact. I thought I'd leave the mummies out this week. <laughs> Thank you so much. We will be right back with our discussion on werewolves. Thank you very much for being here. Here we are. That guitar sounds like it's crying sometimes. <laughs> it is crying. It's crying for werewolf facts. I found an article on Bloody Disgusting. Yes. Called Beware the Full Moon, History of Werewolves in Film. Okay. So I thought maybe we would walk through that for a moment mm -hmm. and just give a little bit of context to um, some of the films we're talking about and why they're important as yeah. far as like in the horror genre and what they, what they facilitated. Absolutely. First mainstream was Universal Studios. Many people know this, 1935. So this actually came after the success of Dracula, Frankenstein, Lon Chaney Jr. was getting big. And then, you know, they made the werewolf mm -hmm. and that ended up being pretty explosive so much that, in the early 2000s, they redid The Wolfman mm -hmm. with Benicio Del Toro mm -hmm. and Anthony Hopkins. A lot of people hated that film because I think they were expecting this modern-day horror, but mm -hmm. what I respected about it is they were actually making a modern-day 1935. Right, right, right. So a lot of the makeup was done the same. and They the were effects honoring were the, it. They were honoring it. And so I love that film personally, but I know a lot of people didn't like it because, mm. you know, American audiences are like, blood, gore, give us the... Bleh, yeah, you expectations know? are everything. Yeah. And so if you don't care for the older films, then you might find it not so exciting. But I thought it was great. Then in the 50s... The, the genre started to take a dive, but it made a comeback in 1961 with the movie The Curse of the Werewolf. This is where Hammer films really started to steal the attention away. I know people today who are big classic horror film just gurus, and they just prefer the Hammer films over Universal. I've watched some of the Hammer film productions. I think they're outstanding. Mm -hmm. um, I think they're really good. So Hammer films really brought it back. Special effects, the Hammer films used less Bowie 
And he became like a mainstay of, of the Hammer Studio films. He became really well known for doing a lot of the special effects for them. Then in 1973, a movie called The Boy Who Cried Werewolf. It was a comedy horror with the metaphor on male toxicity. It's also one of the few films so far that gave its werewolves a snout. Wow. Yeah. Then in the 1980s, which we'll be talking a little bit about today, there was the rise of visual effects that we can really thank Rick Baker for. Mm-hmm. Um, and that would bring werewolves back into the mainstream in a massive way. The Howling, American Werewolf in London, which we'll talk about today. The Howling actually influenced Michael Jackson's thriller. Hmm. It, Yeah, um, obviously, right? Yep. And then so the these practical effects were followed by The Monster Squad, Waxworks, Fright Night Part 2, Transylvania 65,000, Silver Bullet, Teen Wolf, uh, The Company of Wolves, and The Beast Within. So this was known as the age of practical effects, which that's, that's honestly why I love the 80s, not just because I was a child at that time, but the practical effects, this was really the, you know, when things took off. And so what happened was in 1997, they redid... American Werewolf, but they made it in Paris. And those people who really appreciated and loved everything that Rick Baker did and expected to go and watch the sequel to one of the most brilliant practical effects movies ever made, this movie just bombed because the transformation of the werewolf was fucking CGI. Yeah. Out of all movies to make CGI, you're going to follow that masterpiece, use the same name, Mm -hmm. and then press a couple buttons on the computer and have, you know, Tom Everett Scott or whoever it was transform through CGI. I mean, it's just, it was just so dumb. Some of the werewolf themes that are that like the underlying themes depending on which film you're watching so obviously we've talked about the beast within or the shadow side that shannon's talked about before can also represent aging so there's a film called last late phase that's about aging lunacy which again collective unconscious the lunatic male toxicity transformation and then in the the 1500s many men who were serial killers in France, this was sort of the male version of witchcraft. Mm, so mm-hmm. they were deemed as, it was equivalent to female witches. So if they were, after confessing to brutally murdering several children, they were both burned to death. We're talking about two specifically here on this article. Burning was thought to be one of the few ways to kill a werewolf. You know, mental illness, serial killing for men that was what they were deemed instead of witches. So this incredible beast within would be the only reason why someone would go to this length. So there's a lot of really cool history about werewolves. Well, and I also have always liked the the mythology of a werewolf in the the sense of the metaphor, right, of the once a month. Yeah. You know, and and I can see how the witchy thing, because it happens on the full moon, Mm -hmm. which, you know, the moon is a big part of, well, it's a part of witchcraft practicing. So, yeah. Yeah. Like once a month you are a beast kind of thing. And that the that the male, obviously some of these movies that we're gonna talk about have female werewolves in mm-hmm. them, but the male that is a productive member of society, you know, twenty nine days of the month and does their whole thing and yep. then has to be, you know, chained in a room. That's how we often portray them, right? Like yeah. chained in a room to chain up the beast within to try to tame it, to try to control it, and can and it can never be controlled, which I think is a, always an interesting metaphor that we all have inside of us, right? The beast that totally the beast part of it that really can't be controlled or tamed. Mm-hmm. We just, as humans, we grow up 
to know to suppress that. Yep. And so it's just really yeah. an interesting metaphor too. And I just like the werewolf movies because so often the werewolves are just ridiculous. Yeah. They look like, you know, fur balls or, you know, men in dog suits or whatever. And then every now and then you come across a movie like An American Werewolf in London and the transformation for its time in 1981. I mean, it was a comedy horror, but I've never seen this movie as a comedy. No. Everybody fact, talks it, about how it was supposed to be a comedy and it's always listed as a comedy, but it's comedy not, horror. It's I know. It's not funny to me. And the ending is, <laughs> at is all. the ending is so tragic. It's gruesome and not funny at all. Anyway, it's John Landis. So let me just read the premise for those of you who might not know or might not remember. David and Jack, two American college students, are backpacking through Britain when a large wolf attacks them. David survives with a bite, but Jack is brutally killed. As David heals in the hospital, he's plagued by violent nightmares of his mutilated friend, Drama, who warns David that he is becoming a werewolf. When David discovers the horrible truth, he contemplates committing suicide before the next full moon causes him to transform from man to murderous beast. So obviously the transformation scenes in this are fantastic, but I also really like the story. Yeah. Very famous for the transformation scenes Mm -hmm. and they're really great. Just like even 1981, (laughs) like even watching them now. Oh my God. It's still great. And that's amazing. That's hard to do. The very last scene. First of all, there's some dynamics in the relationship. I think that I would almost compare to the fly Mm, where obviously the difference was that, you know, his character in The Fly chose this. Mm-hmm. But with David's character in American Werewolf in London and the nurse, their relationship and how this transformation got in the way of them being able to have a healthy relationship, but also how much she tried to love and care and protect. That that very last scene where, you know, all the cops are trying to shoot at him and she's walking towards him. To me, that's a really emotional scene. Yeah. And when he goes, you know, she's like, I'm trying to protect you. And he can't even control. He goes to lunge. We don't really know what he's going to, they don't give him enough time and they kill him. That scene, I, I, I think this was the first time I watched it and I'm like, ooh, I don't know why. That just got me though. It was just really hard to watch. Yeah, you're just more tapped in to, when you've seen something a bunch of times, mm-hmm. I think we, we can often tap even deeper into whatever the emotional content is right. for it because you've watched it so many times. Like, yeah, you're going to get off on the transformation scene because it's fun and cool and it's a great memory as well as like, yeah, it's just so great. I love mm-hmm. practical effects. You know, your mind's going, but the rest of it you've seen a million times, mm-hmm. but yeah, the emotional part of it. I, I think, think it's a good movie and I think that horror really succeeds honestly on another level And I know people are using like this elevated horror word or whatever, but I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about when a movie is really good. Right. (laughs) Movies are really good when they, when they succeed in their genre. So a horror movie that succeeds in its genre is something that's both scary or weird or off-putting or unique or taps into the, your uh, fears and, has a relational, human, usually Mm -hmm. emotional story that underpins that and supports it, that has like the plot points tracking, the emotional, the internal 
stuff that's going on with the character and the external plot are married and they're tracking at the same time is when we get an excellent movie. And this is one of those ones. It really is. And, and like you said, it's so different from how people talk about horror now and like the profound efforts that they're trying to make in making horror so much deeper. I mean, I, listen, I appreciate Jordan Peele and I appreciate the Babadook of, and the Babadook though. There's a place for those. Oh, but you bet. I would, I also think there's, if that became the genre, that to me is more drama. Yeah, we just get them all, all the yeah. things. I mean, yeah. hereditary, all those things. Mm -hmm. Our Midsummer, they're all considered quote unquote elevated horror is the buzzword, but they're deeply disturbing. Yeah. But I think those movies, and I would say those filmmakers in any conversation you had with them, if they're worth their salt, which I think they are, mm -hmm. would say to you, yeah, I have all my, you know, like, oh, yeah, I loved American Werewolf in London. Oh, I loved this. I love that. Like, they have all of that background as right. well. And they got to where they are because they loved, you know, Jordan Peele's talked about Tales from the Hood, which we just watched the yeah, other night. Yeah. You know, like, everybody, and that's an actually an elevated kind of anthology. Like, mm -hmm. we didn't use those words then. It was just a fun horror. Mm -hmm. But if you watch Tales from the Hood right now, the social commentary and everything that's going on. So it's the same with this. Yeah. It's like, this is one of those foundational movies, I think, for a lot of horror. And for so many different elements of horror. Practical Absolutely. effects just being one of those. In yeah. fact, you said when you said that it, it, you know, it isn't a comedy, you know, Griffin Dunn's the only so-called comic relief in the couple of scenes like when he comes into the hospital room that part's kind of funny yeah and i think he was known be for being funny and maybe that's yeah, why yeah maybe I don't know. but i also know so was john landis mm -hmm. and so what exactly. happened was is people went in to see american werewolf in london in the theaters when it was released and within the first five minutes people ran out because they thought they were going to see a comedy well, yeah, expectations are key. And that's where how marketing and PR can really can really fuck it up if they do it wrong. And it's everywhere listed on the internet still to yeah. this day, comedy horror. It's like, no, so sorry. Yeah, it's not. So that same year, Wolfen came out and The Howling. So those are a couple of other ones. I know that we yeah. both recently watched The Howling from 1981. It's uh, also about 90, 90 minutes long. After a bizarre and near deadly encounter with a serial killer, a television newswoman, Dee Wallace, <laughs> is sent to a. Oh, no, that's not Dee's character. She's not the. She's not the news. She is? Yeah. But what's that other woman who's always writing the notes? Anyway, a television newswoman is sent to a remote mountain resort whose residents may not be what they seem. This is a cool one. I hadn't watched it in a while. It's got Dee Wallace and Dennis Dugan and some other kind of early yeah. 80s familiar faces. I love the transformation scene in this one, too. Yep, it was really good. The werewolf looks totally different. Yeah, um, it does. What'd you say it looked like? It kind of looked like a bear. <laughs> yeah. A little, it looked that more, happens a lot. <laughs> it looked more so like a bear in Silver Bullet. I'm not going to lie. But Oh, my um, goodness. Yeah, that was, that was terrible. We'll get but, to that one. <laughs> but this was a good movie, and the story was good. I love... D. Wallace's character, that opening scene where she goes into the porn shop and so she, great. she tries to interview the serial killer who ends up being, you know, having the, the virus or whatever. The reason why I was like doubting myself and talking about it, because there's another, there's a brunette that goes out there and is writing a story out there. Mm. So I guess there's, there is definitely, you know, in the early 80s, there was a lot of reporter movies. Okay. The, a lot of them. 
<laughs> I know who you're talking about, the other woman that... Yeah, there that, were yeah. a lot of reporter movies, a lot of really good reporter movies, mm-hmm. Network and Broadcast News and all kinds of other things in the mm-hmm. 80s. But um, anyway, so it has that newspaper person backdrop. But I really like Dee's portrayal... It's a, it's a, they're very Barbie and Ken, her, her and her husband or what have you. And married in real life. And married in real life. And it's a good story. I really enjoyed it. I hadn't seen it in a long time. I think it's a really good movie and it's a different kind of movie. Honestly, this is one that I almost feel like not as many people. Well, a lot of people have seen the howling. So when I say this, a lot of people are going to be like, what? That's not true. (laughs) But American werewolf in London has a deeper following. And I think it's because of the practical, the the howling sort of has a cult following to it. Well, and there is a cult inside this movie. Yes. There so is. that makes sense. It's literally a werewolf cult. Yeah. I mean, if you want to watch, if you like culty vibes in movies, watch this movie. It's a it's literally a werewolf yeah. cult. It is. But I I hadn't seen it in a long time, and I think I'd seen it like disjointed. I I don't remember the last time I sat down and watched it all the way through. But I I dig this movie. Yeah, and I think they nail the ending. So mm-hmm. they do. <laughs> it's pretty they great. Do for sure, it's pretty awesome. So <clears throat> I would suggest going out and watching it. Is there any other movies from this particular? I mean, no, there's Silver Bullet, which we haven't talked about yet. But, That's correct. Uh, and then I've seen uh, some of the other ones that I watched were 90s. Okay, and so let's do Silver Bullet, and then we'll okay. talk 90s. And then there's one more recent in 2014 I watched. Okay, cool. Yeah. So Silver Bullet is, is Stephen King, basically. Uh, Dino De Laurentiis, you know, produced, et cetera. But Stephen King would, wrote a short story and then uh, and actually wrote this screenplay. So it's, you know, kids saving the world, as a lot of Stephen King stuff is. When a series of unexplained murders, and Gary Busey's in it, for Christ's sake. He is. When a series, I mean, what's not to enjoy? The, the creepy the alcoholic uncle. Enjoy yeah. the cheese, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, he always plays the same character. Mm-hmm. The creepy addict, right? When a series of unexplained murders occurs in the normally quiet town of Tarker's Mill, the residents decide to hunt down the killer. However, many of these vigilantes end up dead, and those who don't are no closer to finding an assailant. But when a young wheelchair-using boy named Marty, who's played by Corey Haim, Mm -hmm. encounters a werewolf one night, the pieces begin to come together. Along with his sister and Uncle Red, Gary Busey, (laughs) Marty begins a mission to capture the werewolf once and for all. They made this picture for $10 million, and it sort of shows. Uh, Yeah. Um... (laughs) Um. <laughs> the werewolf is it looks like a bear yeah it, it's 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 goofy this movie is very 80s you know now we're very solidly in the 80s what is this like 1985 yeah. horror with Corey Haim and Gary Busey I mean just and it's Stephen King so it's cheesy music when, the, when they're doing well and create you know suspenseful music when they're not and it's just it's very in in the zone well and it's the 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 kid knows everything and the adults are too dumb to see it that's steven that's yeah that's stephen king 80s that's like stand by me and Mm -hmm. all pet cemetery pet cemetery all those movies all those stories that was where he was at so it's that formula yeah for sure that was that was what he was into writing at the time here was my thought though is when uncle Busey. Mm. builds him the silver bullet. Yeah. You got a kid that all of a sudden now basically has a a, a tricycle that's a motorcycle <laughs> that he's just allowed to like take down the road going, you know, I, I just remember that part going, there's no way this kid would be able to keep 
control of this thing. <laughs> like it was just like in this small, I was waiting for him to just like topple over. <laughs> um, but that scene where he just like takes off, no problem. He just knows how to ride this yeah, thing. The and, mechanics of it are super oh silly, my God. but it does remind me of, you know, I mean the good movies of that time where this was happening is like ET and yep. all, you know, it's yeah. very Spielbergy. Mm-hmm. Spielberg and King and all those guys were really exploring this. Like, child as the pov yep. in movies mm-hmm. and this just isn't one of the more successful ones no. in my opinion but a lot of people have seen it and but it's one of the most famous ones super famous solidly in the 80s it's very 80s kitsch like it's got all of that it's it's very I, style style 85 i do remember being really freaked out by the pastor though yeah, and he, I do he's too. always That's been actually really the freaky. only part of the movie I remembered mm-hmm. when I sat down to watch this again. As I was like, "Oh yeah, that creepy pastor." He pl- he does a good job in that role. That guy's actually scary. He's like yeah. the only one taking it seriously. Right. One of the reviews I read on Rotten Tomatoes was nothing to howl about. Yeah, <laughs> I, I mean it's it's terrible, but I just remember his character as a kid always freaked me out. He was so weird. Well, the creepy priest is a trope that usually wins. It, it usually sells it pretty well. Yeah. So 90s, huh? You watch some 90s stuff? I'll Was talk it- about one. One that I watched a while ago, but I really like is called, it, it's not bad at all. It's called Bad Moon. Mm-hmm. Uh, and this came out in 1996. Mason Gamble, who was the little boy in Dennis the Menace with Walter Matthau, he's a little bit more grown up in this. So Ted is working in Nepal when he and his girlfriend are attacked by a mysterious creature. Ted, though brutally maimed, survives, but his girlfriend is not so lucky. To help his recovery, he moves close to his sister, Janet, played by Marilyn Hemingway, and her son, Brett, played by Mason Gamble, but soon realizes he was attacked by a werewolf. Ted is helpless to stop his transformation, and only Brett's German shepherd, Thor, is able to see that Ted is a danger to everyone around him. I like this movie because you are in the POV of Ted, so you kind of feel for him and his uncontrollable urges and he trying to protect his family. And it's just kind of a, it has a really cool vibe to it. The transformation's pretty cool. It doesn't take itself so seriously that it ruins it, Mm -hmm. but it also is serious enough that it's not like this campy, you know, ridiculous silver bullet ish movie. Yeah, I remember Mike was Michael Perret, right? Michael Perret. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I I just, I remember him from it. I remember liking it. Yeah. I, I don't think it's probably popcorn. It's, it's, it is. It's a lot of fun. I think a lot of werewolf movies are, though. And that's I mean, it doesn't I, get yeah. great reviews, but I, I've always enjoyed Bad Moon, honestly. I think it's one of the ones. I mean, the, the 90s is tough. Some of the stuff is so darn dated from the 90s. I mean, I the 80s, too. But the 80s has these really solid special effects innovations right. that... Y- a lot of the horror films can rely on holding up. I mean, it still looks 80s, obviously, but it holds up the movie. Whereas the 90s, we were just kind of trugging along. Well, I think with the 90s, (laughs) what they did is they didn't do as much of the, the, the puppetry it was more they would do makeup mm-hmm. and they were slowly moving into cgi so mm-hmm. you'd get like a little bit of both but not in like a brilliant guillermo del toro way like no. in a half-ass broken not a lot of budgeting kind of way for real but i think that this was 
this one, I was entertained by it. Yeah, yeah, it yeah. It was one of those, I'm like, no, I'll give this a shot, and I ended up liking it. Well, and there's some there's some nostalgia just seeing Mayor Winningham, too, mm-hmm. or whatever her name yeah, is. Yeah, Mary, Mary Hemingway. Mary mm-hmm. Hemingway, not Mayor Winningham. Another one, though, from mm-hmm. that time period, actress that's like, oh, I remember her. It's funny, I'm reading a review right now, too, and it says, um, I'm all for bloody, gory horror. I thought this movie was great. Wish I saw it sooner. To some, I can understand why they would find the special effects maybe outdated and cheesy. Yeah. So, you know, it just depends on what you're watching. I did want to mention that The Howling has seven sequels. Oh, my God. And somebody has, I'm forgetting right now who it is, but somebody's bought the rights to it and they're doing a reboot or a sequel to the first one or some shit like that. Somebody's got it in their hands. Uh, They bought it in like 2020 and they're going to make another one so we can look forward to some kind of reboot of the howling and as we know these days sometimes that goes really really well (laughs) and sometimes it doesn't so yeah you know they're gonna cgi the werewolves and we might get some really cool shit out of it we'll see you have a 90s one you want to talk it's no teen wolf (laughs) no i i still love teen wolf come on scott howard i know i love teen wolf and the music it's funny it's just funny <laughs> I mean, that is a comedy horror. It is. It's not horror. Do you know? I know, but it's a comedy werewolf. Let's put it that I've way. I've seen that movie so many times, I could probably quote it from beginning to end. I liked uh, Wolf. That's a good one with Michelle Pfeiffer. That's the one when I think of '90s werewolf. That's actually the one I think of. It's Mike Nichols. It's Jack. It's Jack Nicholson, Mike Michelle Pfeiffer, and James Spader. Yeah, like it's a great time. Cast. Those three were amazing. It's another one, though, that when it came out did not get wonderful reviews. Because no. people didn't like, because it was much more of a psychological movie. Mm-hmm. It wasn't this violent werewolf. But his transformation is kind of cool in it. I thought so. And yeah. yeah, it's definitely, I would say, I would lead with drama and then horror after as far as talking about what it is. But also, I think it came from the expectations of those actors and of that filmmaker, Sure. And expectations, as we keep saying, is, is such, it's a, it's a thing. Yeah. This... You expect it to be a certain thing. You know, horror fans went in expecting straight horror and there right. was a lot of drama in it, but you don't get those actors and expect there not to be drama in it. You got some high profile actors for the time. They were so. all at, with Mike Nichols because this was right around the time of leaving Las Vegas. Right. This was a huge, huge ensemble. Right director cast but and i think that's where a lot of people were like eh, with all these names right 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 i mean it's no you know it's no bray road beast by seth Breedlove. i don't know if you've seen any of the Breedlove love uh, mockumentaries okay that's just a joke there are, there's oh, a, my, i'm sorry leaving las vegas was mike figgis not mike nichols i mixed that up but that's a big that. name too yeah that's a big name too. Yeah. No, I was joking about the Bray Road Beast because the Seth Breedlove documentaries about werewolves and um, Mothman and all of that. Yeah, you can go down a whole rabbit hole with those movies. Sure, they're really awful. And the evident co- evidence mm-hmm. that they bring about Bigfoot and werewolves yeah. and Mothman is like, I saw him going down the road a piece. I- and- <laughs> And and here's my drawing. And here's my drawing that I did. This is what I saw. It's evidence. Here's my drawing. You know, and you're like, oh, that proves it. Yeah, he Moth, must. He must the exist. Werewolves exist. Yeah, Bigfoot's in the woods there because I got a picture of my wrote it down. Remember Here the it is. remember the little moth 
in the movie that yeah. they were looking for some demon and ended up being this little moth that they don't even show. He's like, yeah, that ugh, we're, we won't even revisit oh, how much no, sitting took place right in that now. movie. <laughs> I want to mention, right I want to mention one more just okay. because I want to take us into now? the now. I watched a movie called wolves. It's from 2014. And the only thing I felt was good about it was Jason Momoa. Oh, I uh, love he, him. Yeah. And he just really played he looks like a werewolf, <laughs> but his character was the only one I really cared about. It, it, the rest of it plays a little bit like vampire diaries. Okay. So a high school student wakes up to find he is changing into something vicious, unpredictable and wild. He goes in search of his true heritage after his parents are viciously murdered. So there is, um, kind of a cool, like family lineage mm-hmm. piece of it. Jason Momoa's character is really awesome. The wolves in this were cool. They give them, they give Jason Momoa these really like light blue contacts. It almost makes like his eyes are glowing. Yeah. Um, and his transformation isn't cheesy. They don't use a ton of makeup, but they also don't use a ton of, it's, it's more, it's like less is more. Yeah. And they end up being more believable as like human slash, you know, lycanthropes or whatever. They were like, it was kind of cool that way. So the, that piece of it was mm-hmm. pretty good. The story between Lucas, the main guy and the younger girl Mm -hmm. that played a little bit like the CW for me, (laughs) but Jason Momoa's part and his relationship with Lucas and finding out like his lineage, that was kind of cool. Cause sometimes there's a, there's a really cool like familial piece when we're dealing with werewolves, right? You think of like packs and tribes Mm -hmm. and all of that. So that was kind of cool, but it's, you know, werewolf movies have changed a lot. Oh yeah. They've definitely changed a lot. I'll, I'll mention two that are more recent in the last couple of years, actually. One that I really enjoyed was called Werewolves Within. It's mm-hmm. a comedy horror. I think you saw it too mm-hmm. from 2021. It gets, it gets pretty good reviews. I, I actually really enjoyed it. It's about, it's after a proposed pipeline creates divisions within the small town of Beaverfield and a snowstorm traps its residents together inside the local inn. So I like that too, because it's like isolation horror. They're all trapped there. Newly arrived forest ranger, which is played by Sam Richardson and postal worker Cecilia played by Milana Vantrub must try to keep the peace and uncover the truth behind a mysterious creature that has begun terrorizing the community. Where I think this succeeded was I thought it was funny. <laughs> it actually was funny. And there are werewolves, but kind of, sort of, right? And mm. they do a lot with sound, the sounds of the werewolves. So that one I, I would say watch because it's a lot of fun. And then I also, The Wolf of Snow Hollow. Okay. In 2021. 2020, actually. It's a mystery thriller horror, and it's pretty good as well. It, it's horror comedy, I guess. It's writer-director star Jim Cummings. He's kind of unique, so it's sort of odd and haunting and it's kind of that hybrid so you're not going in for straight werewolves of course but a stressed out police officer struggles not to give in to the paranoia that grips his small mountain town as bodies turn up after each full moon so you can see both of those new ones are doing the trope of like the small town cops with the werewolves Mm -hmm. so they're both in that in that they're two very different movies but they're both kind of in that wheelhouse so all right, that's Very werewolves good. for the day. Whew, we had a lot to say about werewolves. We like them. Um, you know, all that evidence. I got pictures. <laughs> I got a file. I got a file it's of like, my pictures like Bigfoot. of what I've seen. Yeah. yeah, Bigfoot for sure. Right. We'll be right back where will we talk about our most recent watches that are not probably werewolf movies. They are not. <laughs> so we'll be right back. <laughs> 
And now for horror watches, etc. <laughs> we watched some movies, didn't we? We did. All right. Not always together. Not Ew. always apart. <laughs> Let's start with. You want to start with antlers? Let's do that. Okay. Cool. You go. In an isolated Oregon town, a middle school teacher and her sheriff brother become embroiled with her enigmatic student whose dark secrets lead to terrifying encounters with an ancestral creature. Okay. First Shan- of all. I have spoke about this before. <laughs> yes. Shannon saw it well before I did, and I'd been trying to get around to it, finally did. And first of all, all-star cast. I love yeah, Carrie sure. Russell. I love Jesse Plemons. Enough sound about that. But what I love about it is this This would be one of the horror films that we were talking about earlier where it's really a metaphor for welfare, child abuse. I think hiding secrets, all the detrimental effects that and the confusing relationship that a child can have with a really, you know, either mentally ill or character logically disordered parent just but using horror and supernatural metaphors to tell the story. And so I really enjoyed it. I'm glad. I'm glad. I mean, I like a slow burn and it's yep. a slow burn. And a lot of people have said it's not scary. But for me, it was scary because I watched it with headphones on. Yeah. And the sound effects. Mm-hmm. And, I've, and I, I, wanna, I want Wendigo movies. Yeah. <laughs> as we've spoken about. Yeah. And this was one of those. Yep. And I don't know the sound effects that they did and a couple of the kills there near the end, like fucking brutal. Well, and honestly, this little boy. And I jumped a bunch. (laughs) This little boy was fantastic. Yeah, he's really the star of this. He is the star of this. And my heart just hurts for him because he, he's, he knows he's aware that he has to hide the secret. You know, and then you get Carrie Russell trying to have empathy and connect with him. And she at the first, she doesn't realize how truly bad it is. And then when he goes home, you get to see this creature and the creature terrified me. Me I mean, too. And he gets sicker and sicker and sicker. Me too. Right. And you've seen that, like you and I both have worked in situations where we see the desperation of a child who knows that they're with an unhealthy parent in some way, shape or form, but the desperation to still be loved and doesn't want to go. Doesn't want to go and does everything to protect that parent from knowing that their whole life could be. Yeah, well, they beat him. Yeah, it, it's really a, I think it's, I thought it was a phenomenal movie. Oh, I really enjoyed it too. Mm-hmm. I'm glad you liked it. I, yeah. I just really liked the atmosphere. I, I thought the kid was fantastic oh and I'm not a big fan of no, kid actors he was necessarily. so believable. So good. And like we were saying, Jesse Plemons is a favorite and Carrie Russell is a favorite. So I, that part of it was always going to get me. And I think that this movie's sharp enough. Like there's a, like, it's smart enough the way it's done in that kind of metaphor way. Like what you're saying, I just think, thank God they made a pretty decent Wendigo movie. Cause I was waiting. Yeah. Well, and I also th- like going back to the kid comment where mm-hmm. he said, you know, it's hard. Sometimes that's a tough sell. And I agree. I think where they did such a good job in directing him was it was very much that less is more. He really didn't have a lot of dialogue. Mm-mm. It was so much of his acting. I would say 90% of it were in his nonverbals. Yeah, it was his face. And for a little kid to be able to pull that off, because a lot of times you get a kid actor and they're, I guess they're good actors, but they're so obnoxiously over the top, Dakota Fanning. <laughs> um, I, I enjoy her more now as an adult, but as a kid, it was like, oh God, you're just too much. <laughs> this kid barely said anything and he stole the movie. Yeah. No, he was excellent. Yeah. And I imagine when they found him, it was like, oh, 
Yeah, unbelievable. Thank God. Unless they knew they had, if they could get him, they could make the movie because it did take a particular, I could see if the kid actor was over the top or didn't quite nail it, the movie would have been a lot less well received, I think, honestly. Mm -hmm. I ended up watching a movie that you had talked about prior a little while back called Those Who Wish Me Dead. It's Mm -hmm. actually a mystery thriller. Mm -hmm. And it's with Angelina Jolie, and normally I would not click on her movies these days okay. for whatever reason. I just kind of got out of the Angelie habit. Yeah, not me. And I, <laughs> I still love her. I know. I just got out of the habit. It's not that I don't no, love her. I mean, her. There, there was a series of movies there that you were like, okay, maybe I'll take a pause. Yeah, I just, yeah. I just, and she became a director, and mm-hmm. so she started directing stuff. Mm-hmm. So I've watched some of her directorial efforts, which have yeah. been quite solid, I, in my opinion, my little tiny opinion. But you had watched this, and I was flipping through HBO Max the other day, sort of seeing like, what's the new stuff I haven't watched? And that was one of them. So I just put it on while I was doing other stuff and about 45 minutes in I was gripped and watching it It I really enjoyed it it takes you it takes you back to her earlier roles. It's really, it's actually unique and it not is. predictable. It is not it's at not all. Exactly, it's not at all what I thought it was going to and be. And her relationship with the little boy. Oh and my just, gosh. It, it, take, it took me back to 90s Angelina Jolie roles. Yeah, they went, they went and did it. Yeah, I, did I really it well. liked it. Yeah. Well, and John Berthal is in it. Yep, he's awesome and in it he, too. He's one of my faves and mm-hmm. he's really good. And Jake Weber is in it and mm-hmm. I have always really liked him. And the kid was, again, really good in the emotional scenes that that kid had i know i just his little face i know my heart broke for that kid i really dug it i went it i remember when it came out and i was like wow, i haven't watched a good movie with her in it in a while yeah and will this be it <laughs> and and just because of the character she was playing i go mm-hmm. I think this is going to be like the Angelina Jolie I miss. Yeah, and I mean, some of the critics are saying like it's a 90s style action thriller in that way. It's not full bore, you know, she's kicking ass and all of that. It's not the bone collector. (laughs) No, it's not that. Or that other movie where she's a superhero. But but it's good. She's solid in it. But she's also, what I like about it, she's surrounded by a lot of talent. Strong cast. Aiden Gillen is in it, and he's really good in it. So... Mm -hmm. It's a strong cast and it's not what you think it's going to be. Like it doesn't go where you necessarily think it's going to go. And yeah, I just thought they, they pretty much nailed it. I had some, okay. So trauma trigger, (laughs) if any of you have survived a fire or survived fires in your neighborhood or being threatened by fire in your home, there were a few moments for me because I have experienced that. Uh, I have not been in a fire, but my, the area where I live is is every 10 years it burns down. So, mm-hmm. and a couple of years back we had really bad fires and my whole neighborhood was evacuated for five days. And as you guys might know, Malibu burned down and Malibu's burned down a bunch. Anyway, so I had a few moments where I was like, okay, I'm not going to turn it off. I'm not going to turn it off. I'm not going to turn it off. So yeah. I did have a little bit of like that, that just that trauma anxiety come back a little bit, but I, I survived it. It was fine. Yeah. It's a movie. So I mm-hmm. know it's a movie and I could do it. But if you've um, had any kind of action with fires, there's a thing there, but sure. I really enjoyed it. And I thought I enjoyed Angelina. So yeah, I'm like, okay, whatever she does next, I'll, I'll check it out. I'm, like, I, I'm back it. in the habit. <laughs> what's the, what's the Disney one that came out this year? The Marvel one that didn't get great reviews. Uh, mm-hmm. I just saw it anyway. I actually didn't mind it. A lot of people, it's, like, it's the worst. And I'm like, well, not everything can be the Avengers. Calm down. <laughs> but I, I thought her role in that 
she was awesome in it. Okay. Um, so I, I, I hope she's making a little bit of a. No, no. I mean, I like her. I've yeah. always. The Eternals. Yeah. Okay. Her, her role, her character in that. Or Eternals. Yeah. Was, um, I, I thought I really dug her in that. Okay, cool. Uh, what are we talking about next? I know there's a couple more that you and I want to. Why don't you start out with They Live in the Gray? We were going to talk about that. We saw that together. Uh, we watched that in Discord with our friends. It's a 2022 movie. While investigating a child abuse case, a young social worker discovers that the family is being tormented by a supernatural entity in order to save the parents from losing the custody of their child. She must stop the malevolent force. What did you think of this? Not so much. Nope. You didn't care for it? I, hmm. What did I think of this? It's complicated because I did like some parts of it. Like, okay, so usually I'll give a five, like my rating out of five stars kind of thing. And my three stars are, I would watch it again. Like solid flick, I would watch it again. I gave I gave this two stars because I wouldn't watch it again. No, I wouldn't either. So a three stars for me, if like you follow my letterboxed or the Terror Talk letterboxed or whatever, like a three stars for me, even though it seems like not great, three out of five, <laughs> three stars is like solid movie would watch again. Like mm-hmm. to get five stars for me is like really, really rare. But so two stars is like, I'm not, I don't hate that I watched it and I thought there was some good elements, mm-hmm. but it's, it's two, it's over two hours long or two hours long and it was just too fucking long. It was too long, and there were t- there were times it. where you could I, I I could say that you could fast forward a half hour and still know where you were. Oh, it ruined it because it had good atmosphere. Yeah, it had a great premise. I thought. Yep, it's like the other movie we're talking about. Like they're investigating a child abuse case, and she's a CPS worker. Like that's in our zone. That's why I programmed it because I was yep. like, this is in our zone. But mm. I, I have a lot. I share a lot of the same feelings. I thought the performances were really good, mm-hmm. and I liked um, her story. Mm-hmm. and how uh and i liked the ending so okay yeah so some good elements i I, I agree with you i it, w- it wouldn't be one that i would sit through again but there were some moments that i was like i don't I'm, I'm not hating this i'm not wanting to shut it off exactly but yes it definitely could have been shorter exactly like that's my two stars is i don't hate that i sat and watched it like i'm okay with having seen it and i'm okay talking about it and letting people know that it's out there if they're into it and I don't mind a slow burn. I don't mind a thoroughly atmospheric movie. Like, but this wasn't that. And it had some twists and turns. Like, it had some not surprising twists and turns, but it didn't. I I didn't know where it was going to go necessarily, and so it was about other things. And it was far more, I guess, quote unquote, weird or out there than I yeah. thought it was going to be. I thought it was going to be kind of straightforward. And it's more supernatural necessarily than mm-hmm. I thought it was going to be. And yeah, the performances were good. But man, if there was ever an example of how to ruin a movie and making it two hours long. This was it. This was one of them. Yeah, it didn't need to be that long. No, trim 20 minutes, 30 minutes, 35 <laughs> minutes, <laughs> under 90. Okay, anyway, we're done. Uh, I also, another movie that I went and saw that I know you have already seen is called The Trip, 2021 action mystery thriller comedy, I would say. I loved this they movie. Don't, now, here's an example of a movie that's almost two hours that I thoroughly enjoyed most moments of. Yes. <laughs> a dysfunctional couple, Lars and Lisa, played by Noomi. Kathy's girlfriend, Numi Rapace, <laughs> head to a remote cabin. She could be my girlfriend, too, like 
I'm all about it, head to a remote cabin under the guise of reconnecting, but each has intentions to kill the other. Before they can carry out their plans, unexpected visitors arrive, Mm -hmm. and they are faced with a greater danger. So I'm a huge fan of Norwegian movies. Mm -hmm. And that's how I knew about Nui Rapace back in the day is because I was always going to catch Lizbeth action movies and Numi was in them. And Mm -hmm. she's also in a lot of Norwegian dramas Mm -hmm. anyway. And Axel Henny plays. Oh my God. He's so good in this too. Her husband. And even just the first half an hour where it's not like gory and awful yet, because it does get real gory. It's absolutely funny. The violence is funny. But then there are times when it's really not funny. And here's one thing I I really enjoy about a lot of Scandinavian movies. And I think this is one of the reasons why I've always liked them. Although I didn't know that's why I like them. Is because they go whole hog into the dark and whole hog into the light. Like this movie has dark to it it is fucking dark Mm -hmm. and it's hilarious to me like the sensibility the humor sensibility for whatever reason is is funny it's like i don't know wes anderson off off beat really off beat i don't i don't that's the only way i can describe it is that it goes very dark and gory and very funny and like and almost has like a sardonic yeah like the mr and mrs smith vibe too where they're just like beating the shit out of each other only way farther right and they only in a scandinavian way but then (laughs) they also have like this deep deep desire to also make it work and then Mm -hmm. and then they do this really cool thing where it's also really character driven because you care i cared about whether they got back together which you don't always feel that way in in films like this well and and my opinion switched a bunch of times because you got to see both of their pain and where it was coming from i love this movie so much me too the the scene the ending is hilarious i mean the whole (laughs) thing is so i mean they nailed the ending oh they did so so they nailed the ending. And what I would say is it went from a solid, funny, like violent, gory, zany, wild kind of movie that's like got both of those flavors of darkness and light. And it went from that to nailing the ending. And I'm like, oh, now this is one of my favorite movies in the la- of the last few years. Because sure. they, you know, when they nail the ending, it yeah. makes a big difference. Yeah, <laughs> the whole, th- the, it is one of those like, two hours yes. and it just goes but, by but uh, this one's worth it so mm-hmm. whereas they live in the gray not so much this is one i would now just like put on in the background and watch again i for sure would yeah. and i would recommend it well i'm recommending it <clears throat> to all of you just as kathy did so there's that there you go so we're gonna wrap the show up with <laughs> the answers all right shannon oh, i dropped my glasses hold on one moment okay how many people did the boston strangler kill 12. I mean, sometimes you just pull numbers. I really just guess. 11. Ah! (laughs) I really just guessed. And sometimes it'll be like, it could be anything from zero to a thousand. You'll be like one off. I'm like, where did you get that number from? (laughs) Number two, this Italian horror film was made controversial by Gene Siskel, who referred to this film as a weak imitation of The Exorcist. I don't know. Suspiria. Oh, okay. Giallo. Oh, oh. Yeah, and that's a call Dario <laughs> Argento. Be sure to us, uh, you know, sign up or subscribe to our website so you can get Ice's uh, 
reviews of his Giallo movies in search Love of it. a mannequin movie. He's got a couple of them up there. He's going to do one every couple of weeks. <laughs> awesome. And I know about his next one. And okay. I just, I can't even like, it's, <laughs> the they're fucking hilarious. Writes, I know they're really hilarious. You guys got to If you do nothing else on our website, just go out, read those, check out his blog <laughs> posts. Yeah. Anyway, go ahead. Why are werewolves affected by silver? I don't know that either. It uh, does some to their blood. Right. So there's a couple of different, there's a couple different explanations depending on where you look. So one is silver is a metal associated with the moon, mm-hmm. which is the trigger of their transformation. So okay. kind of like their kryptonite. Yeah. Right? Okay. Um, it's just their weakness. So they can only be hurt by something connected to them. And that would be the silver moon. So it's like they, oh. silver is something that they just cannot touch. Right. Like yeah. their kryptonite. It's their kryptonite. Okay. Yeah. So there's no real good reason. <laughs> Makes sense to me. <laughs> I'm just teasing you. Uh, number four, bones buried beneath John, Gain- John Wayne Gacy's house were crammed together so tightly. The bones fused together. How long did it take to separate all the skeletons? Mm, 36 months. What? I mean, you're close. Am I? Two, I really did guess. Two years. Oh my gosh. Yeah. Okay. Well, I'm, I'm not that close. But, but I mean, it's unbelievable that you'll be like, eh. 36 months. <laughs> well, a few more months and you're right. <laughs> it just seems about right. Yeah, I mean, because I mean, you could I'm have said making, like six years, you know? I could. I'm just making like educated guesses. Although also, a lot of times I guess and you're like, uh, no. From all the bones <laughs> you've disassembled, the, that educated <laughs> no, guess? No, I'm just like, you think of the forensic people yeah. sitting there with the bones and having to dust them off and mm-hmm. do whatever the fuck they have to do to get them to unbond. I don't with know. All that shit they found. I just figure a few couple of years probably. What happens when you flip a shark upside down? I believe that they like lose their balance or they don't know which side is up or something. Sort of. I mean, you're close. They actually go into a trance-like state called uh, tonic immobility. It causes disorientation and muscle relaxation, which is helpful for researchers. So if they're like studying smaller sharks, they can turn them upside down and not get hurt. And they're also not hurting the shark. Oh, that's really good. And then they can put them back into the water. Right. Okay. Yeah. So they're not in distress necessarily. Nope. They're they're kind of in like a meditative state. Uh-huh. A little disoriented, but Can you do that to me when I lay on my back? Uh, that happens to me when I lay on mine. <laughs> thank you very much for that and thank you all so much for listening to this episode on werewolves and stay tuned next week for our next installment of the Ted Bundy reboot that we're doing. Thank you so much for listening. This has been an episode of Terror Talk. My name is Shannon and I'm Kathy. Sleep safe everyone. 